0: We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to start a little series here on Wednesdays, and this is not going to step over or step on what Bishop is doing uh, with his studies each week on the Antichrist. We're not, I'm not crossing over that, but I want to start a little Wednesday uh, discussion and let's talk about the end times drama. That's what I'm calling it, the end times drama. Because in Scripture, you will find that in the end times, there's a drama that's going to be happening and it's going to be going on. Uh, so uh, Acts chapter 1, verses ten through, or 9 through 12. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood with them in white apparel. And here's the critical that we're going to talk about tonight, verse 11, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye up here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall come, uh, so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. They returned unto Jerusalem from the mount of, called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? That's our. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, about the end times. This, so this is going to be the end times drama. We're going to talk about this. So why are so many Christians today uh, and and if you remember back in the eighties, if you're in the church, it was that way in the eighties because it's been going on for a while. Why are so many Christians interested in the end times? Why why is that? What why do you think? I, remember, remember this is open. Why do you think most Christians today, or many Christians, not most, but many, are interested in the end times, the study of the end times, knowledge of the end times, understanding the end times? They're scared. Say again want to see Jesus, expectation of him coming, curiosity, there's, there's a, yeah, preparation, no care of it, yeah, yeah, prophecy, so we understand this, prophecy and the events of the end time and us understanding them has nothing to do with preparing us for Jesus to come, Absolutely nothing. But, but what, you, what you said is very true. Most people want to use it as a springboard. to Okay, now I know these are things have got to happen, and so when these two happen and one's left, <coughs> I'm in the church. And that's not, uh, Jesus said that's not going to happen because when he comes, it's going to be like a thief in the night such a surprise so you know we're we are excited about the return of jesus right that we should be that that's what we're, we're looking for but uh is the real reason so many is that the real reason so many people are focusing on the end times because jesus is coming it is it about a great that great glorious day that is that is that why a lot of people want to study end times because we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about some end time stuff or is it curiosity revelation? some people just want a revelation. once they get a revelation they're done with it and they're not curious anymore and they walk away from it. They just want the knowledge and they're good. once they get have the knowledge that, or is it just a safety net? Is it just a safety net? when I see it getting close enough, I'm going to jump in. If the man knew that the thief was coming in the night, he would have been more prepared. Jesus said it he would have been more prepared. If Jesus is coming as a thief, then shouldn't we be more prepared? See, we want to be informed. That's 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 why this end time things. I want to talk about this on Wednesdays. We're so adamant about being informed that we're not getting prepared. We're not being prepared because there is a certain preparation that Jesus said that should be going on in the church. And it's, it's not us gathering in here together and holding hands and that's all great, we do that. It's, it's, you know, it's not us binding together and making sure that me and my four and us four no more. That, that's not good. Uh, it's not about us hiding away and waiting. Jesus said, listen, the, the church is not going to be hidden. So part of the return, the end times, is that the church is going to be dynamic outside of any building, outside of any organization, church is going to be dynamic there are so many theories about his coming and so many ideas about the coming of jesus and here's the thing everyone that has a theory or idea when he's coming how he's coming all that stuff they all think they're absolutely right you ever notice that (laughs) doesn't matter who you're talking to they've got an idea of what the scripture says oh i'm absolutely right i'm dead right i'm dead on i know what i'm talking about so i want to spend the next few weeks talking about this subject This subject, Jesus' return and the end times, because you understand that Jesus' return and the end times are two different things. They're two different things. Most ideas and theories, and tonight's going to be more of an informational thing as far as where we're going to head with this, but I I want to talk with you about it, that we see in Christianity seem to be confusing and contradicting, don't they? One says this, and another says this, and if you hear this one and watch this one, they seem to, everybody, these ideas seem to contradict each other. But understand this. God has always had a plan for the world and what was going to happen. He's always had that plan. He's had a divine plan, a divine will, a divine purpose, and it's going to happen according to His Word. It's going to happen according to His Word. And so if we really want to understand end times, where should we go? Simple. His Word. If we go outside of that, and we go, and we, you know, uh, we put our two cents in. I, I got one. I can put one cent in. The, the other cent's not worth anything. So, uh, you know, I'm just going to leave my cents out of it. Let's just let's look at the book. He knows the end from the beginning. He already knows, and rest assured, everything's going to turn out right in the end. It's going to turn out exactly like he said. So as we start this series, let's begin with, here with the idea uh, that's really how this originated in the culture, the modern-day church culture that we live in. End-time studies, uh, eschatology. Eschatology is the, the theological term for the study of the end times or the last days. And that's been going on for, for, for a little while, probably the mid 18, mid to late 1800s, somewhere in there, this particular era and culture of studying end times. Listen, end times, the, the disciples, when, when, the, when we just read what we read, the disciples ran to Jerusalem because they thought that night Jesus was coming back. And they thought the next day Jesus was coming back. They were fully anticipating the fact that Jesus was coming back right now. He's coming quickly. You know, we, we, we've we been here for about 10 days. We, we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and so, you know, let's go and tell everybody because Jesus is coming back pretty quick. So the end times and Jesus' return has been going on since the beginning of the church. But I want to talk about in the culture, Christian culture that we live in today, how uh it's interesting because you've, you've heard me use the term westernized church. It's interesting how we believe that everything in the Bible hinges on what happens in America. And and whatever, I understand we're just a sidestep here. We're, we're not, the center of the universe as far as the Bible's concerned is Jerusalem. And so everything works out of Jerusalem. We're a sidestep. If it happens here, fine. If it doesn't happen here, fine. We're, you know, we're part of that event. We were evangelized. We, we were, you know, people came over here and we were evangelized. So, oh you mean we, we were Christians when we came over here? Well, not at all. You know, there's some of us that weren't from there. Okay, I'm going to get it. One of the most prevalent ideas regarding the end times was, was espoused and is still espoused today is dispensationalism. Dispensationalism. So, what we're going to talk about tonight is where the end times thing and the return of Jesus in our culture today actually where it kind of came back into focus and into being. This idea is actually came around fairly recently, in the mid 1800s, in the late 1800s. A man named John Darby brought dispensationalism into prominence. In other words, it was like a reawakening. So. Darbo was an Anglo-Irish evangelist who, uh, at the time that he, came, he, he was here, he was part of a group called the, the Plymouth Brethren. And so it was just another group, another Christian group. Uh, because of a major dispute in that group uh, of the Plymouth Brethren, he, he left and he started a group called the Exclusive Brethren. So we're talking about where, where dispensationalism resurfaces in our culture today, okay? That's important because it's not that dispensationalism is new. It's very biblical, but it hasn't always been talked about or preached about in, in the stages of, in the, 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 the different stages of the church. When you have the seven uh, churches of Asia, Asia, you're talking about the different stages of the church, the different lifespans of the church, and the end being Laodicea. So understand that the end and the Laodicean era is when this comes back up again. Jesus said, "You know, this is the this is the area when I'm coming. That's the that's the period of the Laodicean Church. So, he called themselves the Exclusive Brethren. He became the dominant figure of the group. Uh, uh, they were actually called separatist Christians at this point. And I'm just going to tell you these things. You can go look in the history, or you can just trust me on it. But John Darby is considered to be the father of modern dispensationalism. He is considered the person who refocused on that. So." It, it comes from the fact that dispensationalists see biblical history as best understood in light of the series of dispensations in the Bible. So, let's just stop. Each dispensation. What is a dispensation? A dispensation of time. It's a period of time. Dispensation. Okay. So, biblical dispensation. Each dispensation is said to represent a different way in which God deals with man. So in the beginning, as God dealt with Adam, he was in the dispensation of innocence. But after the sin, they moved into a different dispensation of time. In other words, now God is going to end that dispensation period, and he's going to start another one. And so each dispensation that God starts, and there's, there's seven in the Scripture, each one that he starts, he deals with man, and at the end of that dispensation, there's a judgment. There's always a judgment. And so understand this. This end times thing and dispensationalism is important to understand, to understand Scripture. Uh, These periods are marked off in Scripture and by some change in God's method of dealing with mankind. You you know, you go from innocence, you go to, to, to human uh, government, the, the human con- the conscience, the human government, the law, and you, you you come into grace. All of those are different dispensations of time, but they all answer two questions. Each one of them has two questions that are asked in each dispensation every time there's a new dispensation. There's seven dispensations. Dispensation is a period of time where God deals with people, and, there, and there's a judgment. We are living in the sixth dispensation today in the Scripture. Okay, some of you are looking at it like, okay, you're going too fast, or I don't understand what you're saying. No? Yes? Pardon? No. No. And and we're going to talk about that in, in this... Process and series. We're going to talk about why we're in the still in the six, sixth dispensation, what that dispensation is, and why the seventh dispensation. Yeah, several. Yeah, that means you got to come several weeks. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. There is a trigger. There. There is a. There is a situation that be that ends one dispensation, and remember what a dispensation is, a period of time that God deals with humanity, and then there's a judgment. And when that judgment is completed, the next dispensation comes to, comes to pass. Okay. So there's two questions in every dispensation that always come up. Are you going to talk about the first few of them? Yeah, I want to go, I'm going to go through each dispensation, okay. and, and not not in a depth degree, but an understanding of what they were in Scripture because it's important to understand what they are because you see how that God leads people through things and how He judges. Now, understand this. He judges people. He doesn't judge sin. So, so dispensations are not judged by the sin. The dispensation of innocence was not judged by sin in Adam because sin can't be judged until time is done. Sin continues on through generations. So sin can't be judged until time is over. Then sin can be judged. So the judgment we're talking about is, 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 is a different, and, and again, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I want you to be able to understand this because it, it, when you understand this, you really begin to understand why we're in the dispensation we're in and what's about to happen. What's about to happen? So, two questions. Number one is the matter of sin. God always questioned the matter of sin in the dispensation, and then he always spoke to man about his responsibility to that sin in that dispensation. Those are the two questions God always asked man in each dispensation about the sin and what's your responsibility. So, this guy Darby also taught that God looks upon the Jews as his chosen people. Okay? Okay. And he continues to have them have a place for them in the dispensational and prophetic scheme of things. In other words, in each dispensation, as God chose the Jews and in those dispensations, he always has a place in each dispensation for them somewhere. Something goes on. And it's interesting how he did it in the dispensation we live in. We'll talk about that a little tonight. While many traditions of Christianity teach that the Jews are, are a distinct people, dispensationalism teaches that we, the church, are the provisional Jews. We, the church, are the provisional Jews. We're that provisional dispensation. When they said, let his blood be on us and our hands, and they crucified him, the people of God, Israel, God stepped away and said, okay, I'm going to have another Israel. And I'm going to show you in Scripture where the church is called Israel. It's not just a nickname we are called israel the church and god sees another israel he pushes that group aside it's not do do the promises of abraham end No, no 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 but understand this understand something there's a the dispensation we're living in now is a provisional dispensation that god that not all people could have lived in in other dispensations and again i don't want to get ahead of myself but i want to throw some things at you so you'll start looking and start, start looking in the Scripture. So Darby taught about the term rapture. You know, familiar, everybody familiar with the term rapture? It's a Latin term. Okay, the term rapture is it's just a Latin derivation, and it means to transport or carry away. These are some simple things, but they need to be inputted in the beginning so that when we go through the series, it all connects together. And this is found in First Thessalonians 4, 17, we shall be caught up, that phrase. You know, that's where the Latin term rapture. So most but not all Christian uh, end-time teachers believe that Jesus is going to return and take those up who have passed, passed away but we're living in him and then those of us that remain that that, that's what the rapture is that we'll all be caught up into the the Does the scripture not say that in first thessalonians you know the dead in christ shall rise and then we which are alive remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. that's what rapture is uh and it's usually applied to the belief that christians will be taken into heaven prior to the second coming of now i don't want to get into the return of jesus and the second coming yet okay so, because so, so, I know somebody's going to want to ask me, the return of Jesus and the second coming are different things. What are the signs of thy coming and of the end of the world? Was, Jesus was asked, but there, there, there's a return of Jesus and there's a second coming. What was the first coming of Jesus? Oh Lord. Yeah, his birth, the Bethlehem. He came came in the human form. So he's going to return, okay? So he came in the human form to, to walk among humanity to put his feet on the earth. So what would that tell you about the second coming? Yeah, it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same. But his return is going to be a little different because when Jesus returns for his church, he's not putting his feet on the ground. We're meeting him in the sky okay there's it's important I want you to understand this because dispensationalism if, if you want to understand what the dispensations in scripture are here's where you find the triggers this is where things will happen things will come to place where the next dispensation moves in so now I'm not saying the next dispensation starts at the rapture don't I don't want to get ahead of myself I want to Throw some bones out to you because I want you to look at it because when we talk about this, this will make complete sense. We know that in Christianity, there are many, many variations of, of what we just talked about the rapture, right? How many of you heard, you know, or, when, when's the rapture going to happen? And what, what's, the, you know, who, who's actually going and how's that actually going on? And, and you know, it's, it's just Darby introduced this thought process back into the church and I'm going to get off Darby here in a minute because most of you don't know who he is, neither, neither do I. Never met him, don't know him. He was here in the 1800s, but he was he's considered the person that re-energized this, if you will, back into the church. So as a point of fact, since the beginning of the church in the book of Acts, believers have been looking for Jesus' return. We just read it. I won't re-read it. We believe in the thing called the rapture. Everybody, anybody, everybody agree? You don't have to raise your hand. Everybody agree? You believe in the rapture? even though it's not rapture's not in the Scripture. We understand what it means. We believe He's going to return. We believe His return is for us before the times of trials and troubles because God has always provided His people a plan of escape before His wrath is poured out. It's consistent all through Scripture. Noah went into before God's wrath was poured. Lot came out of before God's wrath. It's on and on and on. So understand something about God. He will... His people, he he regards as his people, he will keep them from his wrath, not from tribulation. Jesus said we're all going to suffer tribulation. Jesus did not say we would suffer the great tribulation. He said we will suffer tribulation. But there, there's something that happens in the great, which we'll talk about later. Bishop, if I step on the Antichrist stuff, just do this. Because I don't want to step on what he's doing because you're good. So, okay. Well, I knew that, but just in case I just in case I accidentally stumbled along. I know. (laughs) Y'all don't understand how fun this is. (laughs) God's always provided his people for a way out of the wrath of God. Understand that God has this. All in His hand. He already knows the outcome. He already has the control. He's always had it. So, here's the question. Will the Lord return? We all agree. Okay. When, where, and how? That's the question. Right? Okay. So, what has to be understood as we go through this series is that we need to do exactly what the two men in white apparel said. Why stand ye here gazing into heaven? What? Too many people, and this is not going to sound right until we discuss it, are standing in church gazing into heaven. Why stand you here gazing? He's going to come back just like he left. Now, go do what he said to do. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the... Go do what he said to do. And so the, the problem is that church churches are full of people that are gazing into heaven. Most people attend church, why? Just to get to heaven. That's our whole plan and purpose to get to heaven when that's not biblical at all. Heaven is a byproduct of what happens when you're in the kingdom and you obey him. You you have to love him. And he said, and I heard something today that was really disturbing to me. And there's a song that's, you know, love God and love people. Y'all know that song? No? Okay, love God and love people. If you do that, you'll make it. No. Well, wait a minute. If you love God, like the scripture says love God, and love people, like the Scripture says, you'll make it. Because to love God is to what? If you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. How can you say you love Him when you don't love them? If you don't love them, you can't love Him, Jesus said. Okay, so let's understand some things about what we're going to talk about here. Uh, a lot of people are in churches they, Thinking they're gazing into heaven. Well, I can't wait to think I if I can just have I remember this in the eighties. We had the guy that gave the same testimony every time. I'll just take a little log cabin in the corner of heaven. Not me. Uh-uh. That's not my promise. I'm not looking for any house, any cabin, anything like that. There's a lot more to that than any some little old I don't want to just make it. I don't want to just show up. Man, that's gonna be y'all know how I was before I got into church. Y'all think I'd party then? Oh, no. Man, I got with it when I lived in the world. Just, I can't wait. Can't wait. Because I, you know what, I, and we're, we're training here, right? Yeah, that's why that's why we do what we do here. We're training for that. So, 1 John 3, 2-3. Beloved, now we, now we are children of God. Now we are children of God. Now. And it hath not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself because he's pure. So we must concentrate on our present lives and our walk with God to understand this about the dispensationalism and end times. I hate to say it this way, but it's the only way. There's going to be a lot of Christians that are going to walk in the end times movement that will never have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm calling them Christians with quotes, okay? That's not to demean them. That's not to judge them or anything. But because they think, because they're standing and gazing, they're not concentrating on what Jesus said. He said, yesterday, it's a done deal. Another thing you can do about it. Tomorrow, you don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. So let's concentrate on today. Let's concentrate on today. And that's what... That's what uh, the dispensation of time we live in is all about concentrating on today. We'll, again, we'll, we'll talk about that a little. We have to seek his kingdom, and we have to take care of the details of the kingdom. The kingdom has a... starts with... It ends with a D-O-M. The kingdom has a king. Yeah, okay. Not trying to be... But I want to make sure you... The kingdom has a king. Jesus is our king. If he's our king and we're in the kingdom, then there's something going on in this kingdom. We're part of the kingdom. Romans 9, 6 through 8, Galatians 6.16 says that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. If you, if you look in Galatians 6.16, Romans 9, we are new creations and the church is the new Israel calls us the new israel where we we are israel so our primary focus as spiritual israel is to concentrate on the spiritual kingdom physical israel concentrated on the physical kingdom we are the spiritual israel we concentrate on the spiritual kingdom No, we don't call ourselves israel don't there there is the house of Israel, there's different that We're, we're 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 jesus people jesus is our savior so don't misunderstand here. I don't want us to walk, walk around. Hey, hey, Israel, hey, Israel, hey, yeah, Glenn. No, not that. But understanding that in the Old Testament, that, that was God's Israel. In the New Testament, we're God's Israel. So how did God look at Israel in the Old Testament? His people. When my people were called by my name, all through the Old Testament, he was about his people. And he's, in the New Testament, he's about his people. That's the dispensation we're in. So, Romans 2, 28, 29, 4, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Why am I talking about Israel and Jews? So we understand in this thing we're going to talk about in dispensations and end times, What when we look at the Old Testament physical Israel and we look at the New Testament spiritual Israel, we're going to understand something some things that correlate, that, that God brings together with us. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that was without the outward flesh. Do you all understand what that means? I'm not trying to be, but, but I, I need to know that you understand because if you don't, then, then we have to stop and talk about it. the Old Testament uh, Jew was circumcised. The males were circumcised. That was an outward expression. Okay, I, I, I'm not trying to talk down to you. Please don't, because now you're looking at me like, who, who do you think we are? But we, there's, we need to understand some things here. So he says, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. Now, this is Romans. So what is the book of Romans? It's the letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. It's the letter. These people are already Christians. He's not writing and telling them how to become a Christian. He's writing and telling them how to be maintain who you are as a Christian. And how to maintain that. That's what he's talking about here. And circumcision is that which is of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not of men, but from God. Galatians 3 and 16. Also, since the promise was given by God to Abraham and his seed, that word seed there is a singular And here's why it's singular, which is Christ. The promise that he gave to Abraham about his seed, the singular was the promise of Jesus Christ, singular. Which is Christ. It behooves us to be sure that we are in Christ. We are the sons of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, Romans 8 tells us. The kingdom lives in us. It rules and reigns our hearts. So we we must not give in to the curiosity and the vain imaginations and speculations about end times. There's a lot of speculations going on. Are we going to understand everything? Does that mean that we should just give up on everything? Jesus said, you guys look, you see this cloud coming. You look and you... You understand that it's about to start raining, but you can't look into spiritual. He expects us to see the cloud, the spiritual. He expects us to see it coming. But he doesn't expect us to stand out there and gaze into heaven while it's raining and drowning us. We're going to see this in Scripture. And as we get into this series regarding this end times drama that we're going to talk about, we should keep in the forefront of our hearts and minds that any understanding we receive, any revelation we get is given to us By God, for the purpose of reaching our generation. It's not for knowledge. It's not for understanding. It's not so that we have what they don't have. I grew up with a. I grew up. You know, I grew up in the Baptist church, and there was some people of the last persuasion I was from that literally said this because they never would witness to me, but I would talk to them about, you know, and they'd say, well, we have something you don't. Ha-ha, uh-huh, we're not telling you. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have something you don't, but we're not telling you. No, We don't talk like that. <laughs> but do we have something they don't have and we're not telling them? Because it's part of this dispensation we're in. We need to be telling them. We they, we need to know. I thank God that somewhere later in my life I found truth. So, so we have to keep the forefront when we have these discussions. And, and I'm going to really push you to discuss when we start next week. When we have these, keep the forefront that everything we talk about has to do with winning our generation. The whole purpose, winning our generation. That that's why we're here. That's why we're here. When you want to go to heaven. Win your generation. Just, just follow the obedience of Jesus Christ. Is everybody going to believe what you say? Accept what you say? No, it's not going to happen. And Jesus said, listen, there's people that don't even, they don't even listen to you. So just kick your dirt off your feet and keep walking. He wouldn't be an ugly. He just said, listen, you don't have time for that. Time's running out. He said, time's running out. He knew his time was coming. Next time, we're going to look at some things that will happen before Jesus comes and how that equates to us, modern-day Israel, the church, and, uh, and, and the actual Israel. And so how those things happen. So I, I just wanted to start this series off with, so that we have some basic idea. We live in dispensations. There are periods of time in Scripture. We are in a current dispensation. that is the dispensation that's called grace. And the grace is that period, the time of the Gentiles. Have anybody heard the term the time of the Gentiles? That's often misused in Scripture because you have to see where it's at in Scripture. You know, we, it's, it's fun to take this Scripture out and put it over here. And, boy, it really sounds good. But that's not what we're going to do. Because this grave mistakes are made in, in, this, in, in this kind of atmosphere, Christian atmosphere, when we take, you know, otherwise I'm going to do my favorite one. My, my favorite one. J- Judas, Judas went out and hung himself. Scripture says that. But there's another scripture. Jesus said, go ye therefore and do likewise. So I'm going to bring a lot of rope. And then anybody that wants It's why we don't do that with Scripture. Scripture is within context, and the reason people m- miss what God's saying about end times is they take it out of context. We're going to talk about context, so next week we're going to start and equate some things. So, uh, any thoughts? Any. hard to believe there won't be God's grace, right? That's hard to fathom. But there wasn't God's grace before the cross. It was a grace, but not the grace we live in. Noah found in the eyes of the Lord. But not everybody found in the eyes of the Lord, right? But, but everybody in this dispensation is under grace. Every single person. Say again. Age of grace is done. But, but the earth continues on. Correct. thousand years. Yeah. Time, end times and last days, again, are different. We're going to discuss that because people confuse those. Even in Matthew where Jesus is discussing this, he discusses his return, he discusses end times, and he discusses the last days, and they're all different. They're all different. But but people combine those and, and it messes up the thinking. You mentioned before, maybe I learned this and forgot, or maybe I'm old, but there's the different comings of Christ. The, you can say there's a, there's a, you say that again? The When he's going to come walk amongst us, but then there's a another return. There's two different types of things. Yeah, this, this gets into when Jesus returns, is what we call the rapture. We meet him in the clouds. And that's when you find the Scripture. And I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit but because we need to. And that's when the judgment seat of Christ, where you, the good, the deeds, it's not whether you made it or not. If you make it in the rapture, he's not going to say, oops, sorry. No, that's not happening. You made it. But it's the judgment seat of Christ where the, the rewards and all of those things are given out. At the same time, you find tribulation going on. We'll, we'll discuss these things. But what you're going to find is at the end of tribulation when all of the Gentile nations war against with Antichrist – I knew it was going to happen. War against Israel. Somebody comes back with his saints and puts his feet on the ground. Jesus Christ. That's when his second coming is, when he puts his feet on the ground here. And then he puts them out of the way, and then now the world lasts another thousand years. So. Is he going to be born again? Like, is there going to be another virgin birth? He, going to- he comes as he is. He comes as he is. He comes from the he comes from you know, we think of a physical throne because we're physical people. But understanding that when like when it says he sits on the right hand of the Father, the right hand of the Father is a term meaning power. It's not God does a spirit. There's no right left up or down as a spirit. Okay. So when it says he comes back, when he comes back, he's the, the Jesus that left here, when the, the angel said, Hey, why are y'all standing here gazing? You just need to go do what he said to do because he's coming just like you saw him. He's coming back just like that. It's just in reverse order. He went up. He's coming back, and so he'll come here. And we as the saints, we get I'm getting ahead. We as the saints will get to watch him take the armies Armageddon. Familiar with the term? That's when you take those armies out. He sets up a kingdom that we get to rule and reign with him for a thousand years here. So I'm going to get ahead. I don't want to get ahead of my. Yeah, we'll talk. See, part of the, part of the misunderstanding in Scripture is about the parables. You know, that, that's part of the misunderstanding because people will adjoin certain parables with things that Jesus said in Matthew, because not understanding that, that that parable doesn't match that part; it matches this part. Because the first part of when Jesus talks about, you know, you know, a lot of people read how the, there will be destruction and you know the the, the lay of waste of Israel that's ha- that's happened. This happened. It happened in 70 AD. So Jesus was talking to them directly when he was telling them these things. But he said, there's other things going to happen later. And that's where you have to get the, the, the division in the scripture there to understand which part does what. That makes no sense, does it? As we go, if you'll stay with me in this series, we, we'll, we're going to break this down and are we going to discover when Jesus is coming? Absolutely not. Is Don going to make a guess? No, nah, no. 2068, 2064? No, nah, it's not going to happen. You know, somebody said, "I'll just keep guessing every day, and that way it won't happen." <laughs> Look out! You're asking. You're asking if he needs to get you out of the way to make it happen. He'll get you out of the way to make it happen. No, don't be asking for that. Yeah. Right. That he's very aware. (laughs) Yeah. Thank y'all for coming tonight. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app.